You're listening to MHD Off the Record South LA Highlights, where I, Siobhan Taylor, speak with local organizations, small businesses, and individuals doing amazing work in South LA. Here, we uplift and highlight their work while keeping you informed of the resources available in our community. On this episode, we speak with Nestle Graffard, founder and president of Black Star Lacrosse Club, an organization which works to improve the quality of life of underrepresented groups and empower youth to overcome barriers to success, happiness, health, economic prosperity, academics, leadership, and self-confidence through the game of lacrosse. Nestle, also known as Ness, is a Brooklyn native who has been playing lacrosse for 15 years and coaching lacrosse for nine. He played lacrosse for the State University New York at Albany, where he graduated with his bachelor's degree, and in 2017, he played professionally on the men's Jamaican lacrosse team before founding Black Star Lacrosse Club in 2020. Enjoy the show. So welcome, Ness. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Definitely glad to have you because I definitely knew nothing about lacrosse, and I'm sure that there are people... You look surprised. You didn't know people didn't know about lacrosse? Yeah. Well, you know, it's because I grew up on the East Coast, so... You see it a lot. Um, Private schools, regular schools have lacrosse. You see youth leagues. Um, There's indigenous people that have been playing this game for centuries on the North American continent, specifically in the Great Lake regions. Um, I understand why you may not see it so much on the West Coast, uh, because those tribes that um, cared for the lands of Southern California didn't necessarily have stickball games. Um, But I'm surprised because with it being an Olympic sport, I thought a lot more people would be would know about it i had never heard of lacrosse until i was an adult oh, okay. we didn't have lacrosse in my school none of the schools i knew of had lacrosse so no i never heard of lacrosse until i was an adult i know i'm surprised that you <laughs> you being surprised i guess on the east coast and maybe the northeast area of the country it's a little more popular oh yeah it's extremely popular there are tons of um lacrosse teams and you see it a little bit everywhere i'd hope to see some of that energy and same uh, level of respect for the players the coaches um, everyone involved in the process get that in lacrosse um it's been a huge growth especially on the women's side of the game really so you are the founder of black star lacrosse club let's talk about how you created that club and then why you decided to bring it to the West Coast, a place where clearly it's not as big as the East Coast. No, absolutely. So um, living in the neighborhood, you would see me playing with my stick. What um, neighborhood is that? Um, so if you see me in South LA, um, South Central Los Angeles, you'll see me playing with my lacrosse stick at a lot of different parks or any wall that I can find that has um, any graffiti on it or just a place where I can get a good workout. Um, so naturally people saw me playing it. Some uh, families that I know, moms and dads have kids and they were always saying, why don't you start a program? Why don't you start a program? And it's always been in the back of my mind because um, I love lacrosse. I love coaching. Um, I'm satisfied with the career I have. I want to really spend time uh, trying to uplift the kids in the community that, you know, have their dreams and aspirations of where they want to take this game or um, maybe the social emotional outcomes that they may get out of it or just um, as a stress reliever for, for, uh, for fun. So that's why I started this program. You know, I really didn't like the landscape of lacrosse. Um, Being black and playing a game that's predominantly white is not easy. Sometimes it gets very lonely. And what I will say is us having this program is unlike any other program. Um, We are probably the only predominantly black team west of the Mississippi River, not even in just the state of California, but the Mississippi River. Um, As I mentioned, lacrosse isn't that popular over here. 
However, um, a lot of kids, if they knew what the sport was or if they were exposed to it, they would play it. Um, with it coming in the Olympics, I think it's very important for people in LA to know what the sport is because it is the oldest sport in America. Uh, there's no sport older in, than it. Um, you can look at basketball, you can look at football. You know, lacrosse was played by Native Americans and they were here before anyone got here. So I think it's really important that everybody knows what the game is. Um, and with the landscape of youth lacrosse, a lot of the programs are on the west side of the 405 freeway. We are literally the only team east of the 405 freeway. Really? Yeah. So you don't see a lot of lacrosse in more diverse areas of Los Angeles County or anywhere in Southern California. Um, so I wanted to be a huge proponent of that change because I see HBCU programs on the men's and women's sides adding programs, uh, taking it more seriously, um, creating a real viable pathway to college and getting an education uh, for these kids. So really what my goal is, is I want to see kids, you know, when they start thinking about colleges, they can consider going to a Howard University. They can consider going to Hampton University and playing Division One lacrosse. You know, they can think about going to um, Delaware State and playing lacrosse. And hopefully, you know, Morehouse, uh, Morgan State University brings their uh, Division One program back. You know, these kids will have tons of opportunities where they can go to historically black colleges, which are a very different experience from your traditional college. So I'm hoping with this program, kids just have fun. You know, they make friends, they learn how to communicate better. You know, it's a good stress reliever when you need um, a break from school. I love what you're saying because you're highlighting so many different points that I want to touch on. Mm -hmm. One, you're talking about the landscape of it being predominantly white, even though historically it is a Native American sport or indigenous people's sport. And we're in a community that is predominantly Latino, historically a population that has indigenous roots. And you're black in a sport (laughs) that has very few black people playing, at least on the West Coast, we know, at least west of the Mississippi River. Those are all, this is very interesting to me. How did it become such a white sport? And you seem to be pretty knowledgeable about the history. So how did it become such a predominantly white sport? So when the French Jesuits came and they saw the indigenous people playing lacrosse, that's where the name lacrosse actually comes from. Um, It's a French word. Um, There are indigenous words, depending on the tribe that you represent, um, for stickball games. Um, It could be Begataway. Um, I know other tribes have other different names for it, but what I will say is in terms of the history, when the French Jesuits saw them playing the game, that's when they started really playing lacrosse. Then you started seeing it in Ivy League schools. You started seeing it in uh, colleges. There was actually a moment where indigenous people could not even play outdoor lacrosse um, because they couldn't form national teams. They couldn't participate in some of the leagues, you know, Um, so... One way it became a... Um, they were banned from it. They were banned from it. One way it became a whitewash sport is that it was always offered in the most elite um, private schools. It was elite neighborhoods. And traditionally, it's always kind of been like that. Um, so colonizers took their sport and then basically banned them from it and then just said, hey, now it's elite for us and us only. Yes, that's right. And what you can, what you see in popular media, like... The episode of Bel Air when they had lacrosse or um, American Pie, you know, you never really see too many instances of diversity in the sport or really talking about the indigenous roots of the game. 
Um, so I think I'd love to see in popular media that um, that gets focused on a little bit more because I really feel like if everyone understood the roots of this game, they'd understand a lot more where it's going and they'd be more likely to be open-minded to playing it, letting their kids playing it, or just understanding how the game is played. Um, it is a very fun sport. It's fast-paced. Um, ball moves really quick. You can hit people with the stick. Um, <laughs> if you enjoy running, if you enjoy thinking on your feet, you know, it's a great game for anyone to play, and I strongly recommend it. And what's also interesting about what you're saying, and then to connect it to another point that you were making, is that this became a sport that is a white elite sport through colonization, if we're being blatantly honest about it. And it continued that by becoming exclusive in a way to continue bringing white people scholarships and bringing them into higher education, right? So you see these sports in Ivy League colleges and things like that, which also tends to exclude black and brown people and indigenous people. What you also highlighted, though, is that if we get more young black people into this sport, we can also, and with going into the Olympics and things like that, we can also increase the numbers of our young people going into HBCUs. And I'm curious to know more about that connection that you made. So I make that connection because when kids are thinking about college, let's say they want to play lacrosse. They know that's something they want to do, whether it's club or maybe they want to get a scholarship and play. They can now say, oh, if I go to this school, they have a team for me to play on. In the past, it wasn't always that way. You know, um, everyone goes to school, college for different reasons. And it really should never, ever be just about sports. But I will say there's a strong correlation with lacrosse players and their graduation rates. Whatever the reason is, lacrosse players seem to always be very academically inclined. Or maybe it's the nature of the sport or the history of the sport that makes it that way. So that's immediately why I would say that connection was made. So when you were inspired to create this club, did you always have this long-term vision for the sport and black people and black and brown people in the sport? Because in South LA, yes. you predominantly are working with black and Latino young people. Mm-hmm. Did you always have this vision for the sport and where it could go with these particular young people or this particular population? Yes. Uh, so my vision is, is that, look, everybody's going to get something different out of this game. Um, Some people are looking to maybe get an edge on a college application or maybe to um, have something different that stands out about them. Um, Some people really just legitimately love the sport and it's fun for them. You know, um, not everyone can play football, soccer, baseball. You know, there's one ball in football, but only one person's going to get it every play. You know, I'm in lacrosse. Anybody can make a play at any moment. You know, like you could play defense, pick up the ball and go score. You could be a goalie, make a save and go score. There's a lot more dynamic movement in that game to where, you know, if you're an athletic person and you like playing, you know, even though you don't see it too often and it's kind of confusing at first, I think a lot of people enjoy playing it. Um, The vision I have um, to continue to the question that you uh, mentioned is that for everybody, we want to really make this program be an inclusive program. Because as I said, it's been a predominantly white sport. Often when we go to tournaments, we're the only team that you see with uh, black and brown people. Now, when I started the program, we used a lot of Adrinka symbols, and we based a lot of it out of Lambert Park. Uh, we had our first clinics right there in front of the Vision Theater since it was shut down. You know, um, it was always during the weekend of the African marketplace. Um, so we share a very special relationship with Lambert Park. 
um, everybody in the community. However, now that we've started to really expand the program and a lot more people are getting interested in, um, we've been talking, you know, our board and our coaches, and we've been looking at things that we can do to make it very more inclusive without you even having to question it. So, for example, you'll see in our uniforms, we have a drink of symbols. We also have um, symbols from the Taino tribe, such as the Koki, um, which represents Puerto Rico. Um, it's a tiny island, but the idea of being a loud frog. And we're looking to add other symbols, you know, probably from Mayan to Aztecs, because I like having that connection between, yes, it's an indigenous sport, but we all come from some form of indigenous tribes, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in Mexico, whether it's in South America or Central America, um, whether it's in Europe, you know, whether it's in um, China or anywhere in any Asian country or island, because there are tons of islands, I want everyone to really feel included. And I feel like a lot of um, the landscape in youth lacrosse, it just hasn't been that way. Um, quick story, I had a girl that I coached, the very first girl I coached when I moved out here because I was um, coaching high school ball in Orange County at the time. But I moved up here because um, I wanted to do something different. And this girl had a story where she was the only girl on her team that was black. She went on a flight to go play lacrosse in Chicago with her team in a tournament. And the messed up thing that happened to her is that they all left her at the hotel by herself, jumped on the team van, and she had to find another way to get back to LA. And when her mom told me this story, I was, that's right then when I said, I have to start this program because I said, that can't be happening to these kids. That can't be happening to anybody. Well, why did that happen? So the mom seemed to believe that because she was the only black girl on the team and she was always having issues with the other girls, that it was targeted. It was targeted. And her daughter hated the game for a long time. Didn't pick up a stick for a year. And this was in Orange County? No, no, no. This was in L.A. County. This was right at Maggie Hathaway. Um, oh. It, yeah, right at that park because that's where we used to uh, train and do a little wall ball. And I used to um, use the tennis courts to teach her how to shoot. They have a nice wall on that tennis court, which we can work on catching and throwing. But we try to get her love for the game back. You know, um, she started liking the sport again, but I feel like her experience isn't an experience that I want any other kid to have. So if I pour everything I have into coaching, if I pour everything I have into being a good president for my nonprofit, I think the kids are really going to value it. You know, that that story is very powerful. And I can just only imagine how painful of an experience that was for her. Mm -hmm. Because when you're the only black person in a space you already fear something like that's going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure as a parent, that's oh, yeah, very totally. hard for her to have your daughter experience that. And you don't really know where you can go from there. Yeah. And for you to be able to step in and say, okay, no, we're going to get your love for that sport back and be a space for other young people to not have to have that experience. That is very powerful. So to know that you've created this club so other young people don't have to go through that. So they don't have to go into racist spaces in order to do something like lacrosse, right? You can actually be with your people and learn history mm -hmm. and feel empowered by learning that history. I'm actually curious to know more because we talked about the history of the sport and you talked about how you incorporate certain symbols and iconography and of other countries and indigenous symbols and things like that. I'm curious to know how much more you, you really incorporate that history into the learning of the sport when you're working with the young people. Uh, so I always make sure that the kids understand, you know, where the game came from, the first uh, tribes that, to play it. Um, as far as the Adrinka symbols and some of the Taino symbols that we use, 
um, we make sure that we always a few times a season go over with the kids what these different symbols mean. You know, the eye of fern for resourcefulness. You know, um, God is in the heavens. You know, what does the Koki mean in terms of um, being a small island, but having a very loud and impactful voice that everyone can hear, but having even even an even bigger impact on the world, you know? So we want to make sure the kids understand those because we use those different aphorisms to like teach them, uh, to help them grow up, to help guide them, because it's not just about winning lacrosse games, learning the fundamentals. It's about how do you react when things don't go your way? It's about how can you work as a team and communicate? It's about when you feel like not going to work out or train or come to practice, do you show up or do you not show up? You know, um, sport really shows what kind of a person you are. And it teaches a lot of different life lessons, which I think can be useful to anybody in any single field, um, whether it's resilience, whether it's um, teamwork, communication, thinking on your feet, being a critical thinker. Um, lacrosse offers all of that, you know, and I love um, teaching all the kids that. What made you want to incorporate that so much into the actual learning of the lacrosse sport when we know that other lacrosse spaces are not doing that. <laughs> well, it goes back to the landscape again. So sometimes you see lacrosse teams on the East Coast, such as legacy lacrosse. I can't relate to that. And I don't think the kids in my program or families can relate to that because unless they are legacy students, maybe at a HBCU or um, any college or university, we can't relate to our team being named legacy. You know, um, if the team's name is the Fighting Irish which I have seen that name or um, anything that is a reference to other people's culture, we can't relate to that, you know? So I thought giving us something to relate to would make it easy for families to be like, oh, we see what this team's about and we feel like we belong here. Um, because if we feel like we belong here, then, you know, we can move forward. And that's what Marcus Garvey was about. That's why you see us incorporate a lot of Garveyism. That's why we're called the Black Star, you know, um, named after the Black Star line. Um, the whole idea of the back to Africa movement, the whole idea of Pan-Africanism, doesn't matter where you're from, uh, where you live, um, if you're black, there needs to be some unity, you know, um, really trying to empower everybody to fix their own problems, to carry their own basket, you know, and then let's come together and when we need to help each other, we're there to help each other. So those are some of the values that um, I take or I want to try to demonstrate as much as possible to the next generation. I'm glad you brought that up because that was actually my next question was exactly that about why you decided to name it Black Star Lacrosse. I know that you evoked the legacy of Marcus Garvey in, in the name, but also, you know, it's a part of the the, the concept. Right. Mm -hmm. And you also said something right now about, you know, fixing our own problems. I'm curious to know more about that. So can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by that. So what we really want to encourage kids is to. Whenever they're facing a challenge, we want them to understand that they have power in how they react. They have power in what they do. And when you play sports or you do anything or um, you're in school or you're studying or you're trying to run a business or maybe you're trying to write a story or work in any profession, you got to have some resilience and you got to be able to continue to move forward every day. You know, um, I think it's very valuable and important, these different symbols that we have around our program because a lot of kids said we never learned about these now drink symbols if you live in this area limer park village then you see them all the time when you're walking down the street and if you don't know what they are you just don't pay attention um 
As far as some of the other symbols that we've been incorporating lately, you do see some of them in different murals in Los Angeles in terms of, um, like I said, the message that they're trying to get across. So we always want to make sure that we're positive and we always want to make sure that we're offering a positive social network for the kids. You know, um, and I feel like the values that Marcus Garvey stood for are something that we can all learn from. And that's really why I called us um, Black Star Lacrosse is because I wanted to pay homage to Marcus Garvey. And I didn't have any better names. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you get much better than that? I mean, I love that you put so much thought into the empowerment piece because it doesn't leave this taste of, you know, well, we're just doomed, right? Yeah. It's that, no, we're here to make change. We're here to grow. We're here to accomplish things. And we can do that because we're empowered to do so. And I'm, as a coach, part of your job is to empower the young people that you work with. Cause I mean, if you're going to win on a, on a, on in any sport, in anything, really, you have to feel empowered to be able to win. You have to envision and see yourself as a winner. That's right. And you can't see yourself as a winner if you already see yourself as defeated. That's right. And a big part of coaching is just being able to inspire, motivate, and get through to your athletes, you know, and understand the different things that make them tick. Like I can't criticize this kid in front of everybody because he can't handle it in front of but if I criticize him in private or say, hey, just do this next time, it may be better for him or her to go and execute the plan and then make sure that we get the job done when we're in a game and, you know, it's a stressful situation. And that's one thing that I really love about coaching is because there's seeds all around us, but they just need a little bit of water. I love that. And how do young people, you know, respond to the, your style of coaching? I think they respond pretty well. You know, um, sometimes I got to be hard on them and I got to be very frank and transparent because um, I don't feel like I'm doing anyone any favors by stroking egos or telling them something that's not true. You know, so I think this generation really appreciates that because um, you don't always get that authenticity. Um, you don't always get that um, transparency from coaches. You know, um, youth sports can be a very interesting landscape in any sport, you know, with parents coaching, um, leagues, you know, who's in charge of the leagues. It's always political, but regardless, as long as you practice, as long as you show up, as long as you take it serious, it doesn't matter what the forces are against you, you know, you can still win. And you're really big on making sure that all youth, regardless of what level they're at, their physicality, you're really big on making sure that they all feel included and they all participate. Why was that an important aspect of it? Because I can tell you as a person, young person, I know when I was growing up, they definitely didn't always encourage all the young people to participate in certain sports. In fact, they'll make you feel excluded right off the top. You're not built a certain way. You're not fast enough. You're not this, you're not that, you know, and anyone who's ever been cut from a team <laughs> can understand that feeling. Why was your approach different? Um, so my approach is different because lacrosse isn't really about athleticism. It can help you a lot, but I feel like there's three things you need when you're playing team sports. You need to have skills, you need to have the right mentals, and then you need to have something that you're working on every day, such as your endurance, um, your strength. If you have those things, you can play any sport and lacrosse you could be one of the slowest people on the field, but if you're really good with the stick and your strong mentals, you don't need to have all three. You know, if you're a very skinny kid and you can run, that's great. 
but that doesn't always mean you're going to score goals. You know, you could be the strongest, biggest kid on the field too. Doesn't matter. You might not score or you might not stop someone from scoring or you may not win the face off um, or you may not make the stop if you're the goalie. So it's not really a sport that's unforgiving to get, uh, people that are not athletes. I would say, honestly, <laughs> if anyone was ever putting their child into a sport for the first time, I would start with lacrosse because it's one of those sports where even if you're not the most athletic person on the field, you can still have a huge impact because it's really based more so on skills and lacrosse IQ. How did you personally get started in lacrosse? So I got started. Um, I attended uh, the legendary Hempstead High School. Uh, they've been putting out, well, there's been a lot of black lacrosse players that have gone to Division One, Two, Three NCAA schools, NAIA um, programs like Morgan State. My football coach was the one who said, hey, you know, you're not getting a lot of time right now. I think you should come play lacrosse because it'd be good for your footwork. It'd be good for um, your awareness, for you to try to anticipate plays as a linebacker. And it would help you with your physicality and um, everything in terms of just like being a good sport for football. So I listened to uh, Coach Jones. I went over and I ended up liking it more because in football, you know, if you're not the running back, the quarterback or receiver, you're not always getting the ball. And, you know, like I said, there's one ball and you got to now split it between those five positions, you know, um, or five people that are eligible receivers. You know, even in basketball, everyone has a chance to make a basket or stop someone from making a basket. You know, um, in terms of team sports, hockey's the same way. Um, lacrosse, what really makes that game special is even if you are playing a different position, that doesn't mean you can't score. That doesn't mean you can't stop someone from scoring. So you have a more direct impact in the outcome of the game or how the game is going. Um, but it won't matter what your level of athleticism is. It's really going to matter what your stick skills are. So you started in high school. You fell in love with it right there because you were playing football. Yeah. Coach is like, well, I think you get some better skill sets if you play lacrosse. And you're like, actually, I think I like this better. Yeah. And you stuck with it all the way through college. Yeah. Then you went on to play professionally. Yeah. In Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And how was Jamaica? How was it playing in How was it playing in Jamaica? Well, I'm sorry. That was a misconception. I didn't necessarily play in Jamaica, so I played for the Jamaican national team. Oh, I see. And what happened was is in 2017, we had a tournament in Rhode Island. And I th if I remember correctly, Israel was there. Uh, Puerto Rico had a team. Uh, Hungary was there. And we made it all the way to the final game, but we lost by a goal. So you and, represented the national team, but yes. you played in Rhode Island. Yes. Oh, I thought you actually had to go to Jamaica and play. No, 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 oh, no, okay. no, no. We were having an international showdown tournament, and I participated in it representing Jamaica, and we played in that tournament. Then four years later, the World Games happened in Israel, so then they had an official Jamaica team, because this is when Jamaica lacrosse was first starting. There was no team we were just walking around with shirts that said Jamaica lacrosse. <laughs> we're trying to sell shirts and make money and really get the program going. But now there's a thriving um, lacrosse playing um, population over there in Jamaica because a lot of people have been going back. A lot of people from the islands have been spending time over there, you know, teaching kids in secondary schools how to play and really just building up the national teams. So this, San, uh, this summer in San Diego, they're going to come out to uh, Snapdragon Stadium and they're going to play. Um, some more international exhibitions. I won't be playing, but I will be on the sidelines uh, 
cheering loud for them. And hopefully maybe um, we can get some of our kids in our program to come out to San Diego as well, meet some of the players, have a catch with them, you know, learn what it's like uh, representing your national country and playing uh, that in the sport. I will say that's one thing that is very a huge possibility for kids in our program. Um, as the game is growing internationally, um, there may be opportunities for them to represent teams that they may have some uh, ethnic heritage to, you know, through their mothers, dads, grandmothers, family members, um, or at least be able to help. Because every country has different rules in terms of like who can play, who can't play, in terms of citizenship, who's living there 24 hours. Um, Jamaica is pretty okay with you being in America most of the time, but you're playing on the Jamaican national team. Now, the, in the Olympics, that might be different. They may want to have different standards for that. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm very curious to see what happens when the Olympics comes to L.A. and they do lacrosse. But this summer, you know, I can't wait to see Jamaica compete in the World Games. What I find to be interesting, though, about what you said is you were one of the foundational players for the Jamaican national team, which explains a little bit about why you have such a great vision for where lacrosse can go because you've seen it happen. Yes. And so you can see that vision for Los Angeles and for the young black and brown children here in South L.A. I see. I see. I see how you see it now. Yeah. I'm getting I get it. <laughs> I love it. I'm loving all of this. So how can young people or families who want to either participate or support what you're doing be a part of what you're doing? Um, we're always looking to teach new players the game. I say, you know, if. You have a child that you know of or that is your child, you know, recommend that they come out to a practice and see what lacrosse is about or come out to one of our lacrosse games and see what our um, what the sport is about. What does it look like, you know, um, and see if they even like it. You know, if kids like it, I'm always happy to coach kids that are interested in loving the sport because I'm passionate about the sport, too. So it makes coaching that much more fun. What are the ages? Uh, so we start as young as five years old. Uh, we don't have a five-year-old team because we didn't have enough to form it. The oldest age we go to now is 15. Okay, so ages 5 to 15. Yes. Um, if they want to enroll, um, they can check out your games? Yes, they can come to our games um, or they can go on our website and just um, subscribe to the email list. Um, that way I can always communicate, hey, we're at this field, we're having practice, or we're at this field, we're having practice. Uh, we practice a lot at Rancho Cienega Sports Complex, uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, we're probably going to do that all the way till the end of June. And we also uh, use Edward Vincent Park. Um, I know the locals in L.A. like to call it Sinella Park. <laughs> I was you about know? to say, you mean Sinella <laughs> over in Inglewood? Yeah, that, yeah, that part. Hey, so being from New York, I, I can appreciate and understand when the names of things you grew up with get changed. <laughs> and you come home and you're like, oh, wait, huh? <laughs> um, let me guess. You say Westfield Culver City Mall? No, I don't. You because, say Fox because Hills? Yeah, because all my all my friends are from LA. <laughs> and they say what? And if I say that, they're gonna be like, Where's that? The only the only people that say that are, I don't know, people that didn't know that. Now I, now I say that because I'm like, ah, now you guys got me talking like you. <laughs> that means you're talking the correct way. I love it. No, that's right. Okay, so what's your website? Uh so the website is blackstarlacrosse.org. Um, we're always looking for kids. Um, uh, we go into schools and we teach kids how to play. Um, we've been in LAUSD schools, charter schools, uh, different nonprofits, um, even kids' birthday parties. Anybody who's interested in learning lacrosse, we can get our coaching staff together and come demonstrate it, um, get kids running through a clinic doing some basic drills. Um, if you want to support the organization, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, we do a lot more than lacrosse. You know, for example, 
Um, we work closely with Soul Folks, you know, when they did our uniform for their anniversary in 2021. Um, we are taking a trip to UCI to tour the campus. Um, one of our board members is a law professor over there. So he recommended that we start getting the kids thinking about college early and we should have them go over there and tour the campus, see what the facilities are like, you know, and just get a feel for a college campus that's outside of the county. And I said, I agree with that. You know, the other thing um, that we do is we always do a ton of different partnerships. So we partnered with Holly Mitchell's office and we did an aquatics camp. And it was great because, you know, we really want to get out of this habit, stigma and mindset that I can't do this because white kids do that or I can't do this because not enough black people do that <laughs> or I can't do this because not enough uh, Latino people do this. You know, um, we really need to get out of that mindset. So I am huge about doing community partnerships, especially with other organizations that want to prioritize sports that you just don't see. You know, um, in our community, there's a stigma that we can't swim. Is that true or not? I don't know. I can't. <laughs> I can't. But but that's but you are making a valid point that just because I can't doesn't mean I shouldn't, you know, and I yeah. definitely should learn. And you are also a recipient of our community grants from our from our district, from District 8. That's right. And I'm really so happy that you are one of our recipients because this is a great program. And also you shouted out Soul Folks and shameless plug. Uh, Akil West was one of our guests on this podcast. So you guys should go check out that episode with Akil West. And thank you so much for joining us here on MHD Off the Record, South LA Highlight, because you are definitely an organization that we wanted to highlight. Shout out to all your coaches as well, because it's not just you. It's you no, have it's other not. coaches that also support what you're doing. Yes. And all the information that you guys need will be in the show notes, including the website and how you can support um, are there any events coming up or anything people should know about? Uh, yes. So we're going to bring back Lax and Lamert. There will be a weekend where we're going to be out there playing lacrosse. We'll have a little bit of a 3v3 tournament with some of the kids. Just trying to recruit players, really um, get exposure out for the game. Um, we will be playing a game against Harlem Lacrosse. Um, it's another uh, lacrosse team. Only other team that I can say has any diversity in the county um, coming out of Compton. So we're going to play them have a barbecue on May 21st, Sunday at uh, Cinella Park, Edward Vincent Park, right on the turf. <laughs> for however you want to say it. <laughs> I, first of all, I just love the fact that the South LA team and the Compton team are having a barbecue. So... <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you know what? Like I said, when you think about the Black Star mission statement, it's not about... We, we go back to that idea of Pan-Africanism. We go back to that idea of unity. We go back to that idea that now... Just because you, you're from over here or you live over here doesn't mean we're not part of the same fraternity because we both play lacrosse. And I don't see any other teams around us that want to share that same type of uh, fraternity that we have. So I say let the kids beat up on each other a little bit, have some fun, and then they can break bread afterwards. Because you never know. They may be high school teammates one day. They may be playing with each other one day in college. They may be playing against each other in college. They could be captains on the same college team. You really never know where you could go with this sport or where you can go anywhere in life. It gets, um, it all comes full circle at some point. And nothing says umoja and unidad like barbecue. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much again. It was a pleasure having you here. And I really encourage you, if you have children between the ages of 5 and 15 and you're in South LA, please check out Black Star Lacrosse Club.
Thank you for listening to MHD Off the Record. And special thank you to Felicia, the poetess Morris of Morris Media Studios in Lamert Park. For more information, please visit MHDCD8.com and follow at MHDCD8 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to rate us five stars, subscribe, and share with a friend.